Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the plague. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Welcome into the Yachts and Audibles podcast post game edition, the first one of the year. We've got 12, 13, 14 more of these to go. We'll see. Uh, Matt Prem, Eric Scopel, Jared Mack on the show. Uh, before we dive into breaking down Oregon's record-setting performance against Portland State, I want to remind you guys, go to DuckTerritory.com, 50% off a membership to the site right now. Uh, that gets you an annual membership for less than, I think, $44. Um, you get all of the season. You get all of recruiting. You get all of men's and women's basketball. You get all of baseball, spring football, and then all of summer football recruiting leading up to next year. So, uh, excuse me, it was $53.70. So it was off a little bit, but still a huge savings, 50% off that. You get CBS Paramount, which is a huge add-on as well. Um, so dive into that today. That's the most impactful way to support this podcast too. All right. Uh, we're back from Austin Stadium. 45,000 people was the announced attendance, the official number – 45,723 people. Uh, they saw Oregon set a record performance, 81 total points for the Ducks. Uh, that is the highest point total in the modern era of Oregon football. The 74-point margin is the highest uh, its total it's been in the modern era of Oregon football. And it's Here's the stat for you guys. Okay. It's the fourth most all time in program history. And the most since a win mm. in 1916 over Willamette, which is now considered a D3 school, nice. when they won by 97 points. Yeah. Not surprised. I mean, I guess, <laughs> yeah. I guess I'm surprised. I didn't know anything about what was happening 108 <laughs> years ago, but 107 years ago. But uh, that felt like there it should go. be a record setting performance. Yes. Uh, okay, 81 to 7, 729 yards total offense for the Ducks, just 200 for the Vikings. Um, just what is it here? 52 total pass yards. I mean, I think all three of us were in um curious mode, at least, of like what's Oregon's pass defense going to look like against uh the Vikings. None of us were going to say they were going to get torched or anything, but I don't know if anyone was expecting 52 total passing yards. I think eight total completions. Uh, and even Dan, I think, gave out a comment like, we weren't really tested at all through the year um, by Portland State. So real quick, I guess, what are we most impressed by? The 729 total yards and 81 total points by Oregon's offense or the 200 total yards and seven total points by the defense? Couple of good choices, both. 
I mean, it's Both, it, was, yeah. it was a very dominant performance. And, and like as we were talking, as we were walking back to the car, like we all predicted, I predicted a fifty-point win. I think you guys had forty-six-point wins, and we were still like very far off in the margin. And none of us, I, I think I said, like you know, if it would have felt disrespectful to come on a podcast and predict a team to win eighty-one to seven. So none of us said that, and none of us really, I think, thought that was a super likely outcome. But it was super dominant on both sides of the football. Like Oregon scored a touchdown, I think, on their first nine drives of the game mm-hmm. and ended up scoring a field goal on their 10th and then I think another touchdown on their 11th. I don't think they were stopped from in terms of scoring. You guys can correct me if I have the drive chart wrong on that. Um, but, I mean, there was really not a lot of opposition. Uh, no, I, I got that correct. And then they scored a touchdown on their final drive. They had 12, uh, 13 drives, 12, 12 of them ended up in scoring. Mm-hmm. Um, that works. And then defensively, like there was basically one bad sequence. And Dan talked about it in post game. There were a couple of guys who made, I don't remember the, the terms he used, but just made mistakes that allowed the, the Vikings to move it down the field. They paid it off with a touchdown, led to a uh, a lot of message board and social media chatter about how terrible Oregon's defense was. And then I don't, Jared, you might have this, but after that, Portland State game, like, 100 yards after that 175-yard drive. I mean, they really stepped it up. I thought they I don't even think it's 100, Eric, looking at the numbers. Well, it's it's over 100. If they had 200 total yards, then minus 75, it's 125. They had seven yards in their first sequence, so 118 total yards after that one drive. And how many drives do they have? 13. So That's pretty good. Uh, 100 and, yeah, 118 yards and 12 drives is, is, is pretty good. That's not bad. Yeah, I don't know. I don't have a whole lot else to say in terms of what is most impressive. I think all of it. We didn't see a lot of special teams, but that's a good thing in terms of there wasn't there's was one punt at the very end of the game. It was a good punt. It wasn't by the punter we thought it would be. It was Ross James, not Luke Dunn. But I mean, uh, I, I think uh, James Crepia said in the post uh, we were chatting with him afterwards that uh, Tez Johnson has already surpassed Chris Hudson's total punt return yardage from a season ago in the mm-hmm. first game. So I. I Kind of aside from one sort of iffy defensive sequence, I don't really know what you're going to gripe about. I'll be, I'm sure there'll be people on the message board that'll find some things. I'll be curious to see yep. what they are. I, th- I think this is very clearly the the offense that was most impressive. Um, you know, like Eric went through, none of us really came close to, to guessing Oregon's appropriate score here. Um, 38 first downs. I mean, Matt said, you know, over 700 yards total offense. Um, I think what was most impressive is how little time it took for Oregon to just march down the field. And again, this is against Portland State. This was a bad team uh, that I don't think is going to do favorably well in their conference this year. I mean, they were three and seven last year. But again, I mean, the longest drive of the day was five minutes and ended in a field goal. Uh, I mean, they scored touchdowns going over 50 yards or 60 yards and under two and a half minutes, under a minute and a half. Like they just moved the ball down the field. um, And it was too, it it was very reminiscent of last year's offense. And I think that's good. You know, you always want to come out of the first game of the season, especially against an FCS opponent and and just dominate them. Um, And that's exactly what Oregon did. Uh, They didn't leave any question marks. Again, there was the one drive by Portland State where Dan literally blamed two people for it. He didn't mention them by name, but he said two guys <laughs> messed up or missed their assignment or made a mistake. And he reiterated that again later on in the press conference saying that two guys made a mistake. So if it was just... I hope you're not it, one of those two guys. 
Yeah, no, definitely not. Well, we might be able to tell by who's starting or who's playing next week uh, against Texas Tech. But, um, yeah, that was the one real mistake on defense. Um, there was probably another potential mistake, like Kamari Terrell got burnt one time and it was mm. just a terrible pass from uh, yeah. Ray, but who was getting under pressure. Um, if you're Oregon's defense, you're looking for more tackles for loss, maybe some more sacks, but really Portland State just stopped trying um for the second half of the game maybe they didn't stop trying but they certainly they pulled the starters i mean they had a minute left in the second half i was gonna say yeah (laughs) Uh, so that was really all you really needed to watch to see how this game was so lopsided yeah the white flag um but i just came away more impressed with the offense um will stein first year on the job at oregon Bo Nix seems to absolutely grasp the offense, has complete control of it, understands what to do. The offensive line was never tested. Running backs did well. Um, I think the offense will continue to fire on all cylinders this year. This just kind of reiterated that. There were some question marks just of what it would look like, and uh, it looks just like what what players and coaches have been telling us. Very similar to last season. A lot of quick hitters, a lot of a uh, couple of deep shot opportunities, but uh, just just a really well orchestrated offense from from every perspective today. Yeah, Bonix threw for two eighty seven, three touchdowns. Uh, Eleven different players caught a pass. Uh, the team threw for three hundred eighty one yards, and then the Ducks ran for three forty eight. And then uh, Bucky led the team with just four carries. Jared hit this one, yep. right on the nose uh, in our. Player predictions: four carries, 119 yards, and two total touchdowns. Um, Jordan James had three touchdowns as well. Uh, let's start with the first possession of the game, or the first play of the game, um, as the next segue here. This was a game where we walked in going, thinking, "Hey, we're going to learn a lot about who fits where, uh, who plays where, what the depth chart could potentially look like," and. Snap one, everything kind of got thrown upside down because of a bunch of different locations of where guys were playing. We had some kind of idea based off of, uh, which was a shock to me, like a legitimate depth chart um, Mm -hmm. presented to the media ahead of time. And it actually kind of was true to form of what they presented on the field. But there were some weird players all over the place. Uh, Were you guys more surprised offensively or defensively? It's got to be defense, right? Defense. Yeah, Yeah, of course. Not a question. Yeah, yeah. No, I'll, I'll just run through them right now. So uh, a lot different than my projected depth chart. Uh, Oregon put basically five edge or defensive linemen slash edge rushers on the field. Jake Shipley, Jordan Burge, Taki Taimani, Casey Rogers, and Amarion Winston. And then linebackers were Jeffrey Bassa and Bryce Betcher, two-sport star Bryce yeah. Betcher. Uh, walk-on Bryce Betcher, mind you. Your guy. And then my guy, Bryce Betcher, mind you. Uh, and then the four defensive backs were Dante Manning, Brian Addison, Taishim, and Kyrie Jackson. Um, just a lot of surprises. Uh, I think the only guys that were shoe-ins to me were Jordan Birch, Casey Rogers, Jeffrey Bassa, uh, Taishim Johnson, and Kyrie Jackson. Um, other than that, I've had many different players in my projected depth chart. Um, I thought we would see a significant amount of more snaps from Jamal Hill from Shrekwes Bridges, from Brandon Dorless, whose first snap didn't come until the second quarter, the very start of the second quarter. Um, we got a good amount from the interior guys like Keon Ware-Hudson and Popo. Well, Popo actually not that many, but 
in a game like this, you don't really need to stress at all. Um, Marion Winston played a lot, and Matt, that's going to be your guy, but that was a surprise. Um, just the, the starters on defense was very interesting. Oregon forced a three and out on their first drive on the defensive side, and genuinely I didn't watch any of it because I was still like <laughs> typing away because I did not anticipate this at all in terms of their defensive starters. So I think that's clearly the the – more surprising side of the ball but offense had a surprise or two yeah it did I, defense it was every level it was like oh that's happening yeah. it didn't yeah. think that was the case this is what happens when we don't get to watch much practice we are as surprised as everybody else like if we had seen 11 on 11 who knows bryce betra might have been one of the starters all fall we have no idea um that was really cool that he started by the way that local kid yeah. walk on two sports star jared has a great i know it's your Pinned tweet on Twitter if you want to read a little bit more and learn about Bryce. You can find that on Jared's, um, I guess, X account. Is that what we're saying now? It feels weird, but yeah. I'm not. No, yeah, my Twitter, Twitter. account. Yeah. My Twitter account. Um, yeah. Also linked in the uh, instant reaction story. I linked to that story as well in the instant reactions on duckterritory.com. So. Nice. Um, offensively, it was a little more straightforward. I'd say the skill stuff was all basically what you expected with the exception of Patrick Herbert was the first to line up out there. And I, I had I had predicted um, Treshawn Holden over Gary Bryant. Um, that did not take place. Gary was the starting Z, played really, really well. We'll get into some of the offensive standouts, but I thought he was certainly one of them. And then the offensive line, I think, is basically exactly what I predicted, um, with the exception of Harper being there. And I don't know if it's totally fair to say, but Nishad Strother was not available in this game. So that makes it a little less clear of like who would have actually been the starting left guard if everyone was available. But the offense is, I would say, like nine of the 11 guys were there and, and in spots I thought they would be. So not a, not a ton to take away that was surprising. Certainly not like defense, but as the game wore on, we can get into some of that as we as we go here. There were certainly some, oh, that guy hasn't seen the field at all today, or oh, that guy's on the field before this guy. Certain things like that that surprised us. But from a starter's perspective, mm -hmm. I'd say that was a little bit more in line with what we thought it would be. Should we go through... Uh, um... Should we go through guys who didn't see the field today? Yes, because there was also some surprises here. Um, I'm going to – I know the participation chart says he played, but Eric and I have talked about it. We don't remember him ever playing. I don't think Jared's ever seen him play either. Noah Whittington. That's where I'm going to – I'm going to start it here. That was a big surprise and a big revelation of just also how far along Jordan James has come, a guy that was a short yardage back usage last year turned into a really good player this season at least the first game of the year but no Whittington he he apparently played on the opening kickoff and then we never right. saw him again Dan was asked about him and said uh he, he's not going to talk about players who didn't play and he's got you know the best interest for those guys you know and, and their status moving forward um and he says he's not in a, a I can't remember his exact wording, but he said like he's in good a good place. He's he's, I think he's implying he's not suspended. Um, but weird that Whittington didn't play when he was a top five offensive player for Oregon, top ten offensive player for Oregon last season as a non-starter. Certainly one of the more important guys, and like I am going to do a full rewatch shortly after he finishes this, and I'll watch that opening kickoff, and like it's possible he took a hit or something happened there, and maybe they just held him out for the rest of the game. Yeah, I but, just watched it. Did you see anything? He took 
Yeah, he took a took a big old hit like right away, like ah. at the twenty five yard line. Just so that, that adds full up speed right into somebody else who was going full speed. So he was out there. We we us personally did not see them. Rob Mosley of of Go Ducks saw him. So he played, but uh, yeah. Upon One further play. review, it looks like he got uh, he got dinged. Yeah, so that that actually makes me feel a teensy bit better about the situation. That it, it looks like there was some sort of thing that took place during the game because it was very perplexing to follow. Um, other guys, do we want to run some other guys? And we'll see with Noah. We'll we'll have to see what his practice participation is this week. I doubt Dan will say much of anything about his availability. Right, but that's par for the course. We'll get a sense at least from practice if he's he's out there on on Tuesday and Wednesday. So come back and check out and check it out here. We'll, we'll, we'll kind of provide the lowdown. Um, Matt, do we want to run through some other guys that were kind of surprising absences? Cause there were several. Yeah. Guys. I mean, Mace Funa was the big one, one of the big ones defensively. Um, he, he warmed up in pads and then when they came out of the tunnel the final time, he was not in pads. Yep. Uh, we saw him with a uh, shout out Noah Sewell on the sideline. He was hidden um, Funa was with him quite a bit on the sideline. Uh, Brandon Dorless did he dressed up? He played in the game, but he didn't see any action in the first quarter. And multiple times, I kept looking to make sure it was right. Like even when the defense was on the field, he he had no helmet. There was no helmet near him. And in the first play of the second quarter, Oregon was on defense, and Brandon Dorless was out there on the field. Um, we did not see Evan Williams play in this game. Uh, he big had, surprise. yep, that was a big one. We, I mean, he was like the one guy we were like confident was going to play or start, I should start. say, yeah, a in, in the defensive mm-hmm. backfield. Um, but he had a hand on on his or a brace on his hand, which I think is new, right? Like we haven't seen. No, he's had much that for that. a couple of weeks. He, he has had it, but it was. I think that looked. Uh, but he's practiced. He's practiced. Yeah, he has he's practiced. Pra- yeah, he's gone full full go. Uh, and then, well, Chris Hudson's another one that, yeah, I don't Master have a full-time starter and I couldn't find him on the sideline. I could, I don't know if you guys saw him or not. Um, Pre, pre-game we did, but during the game, pre-game, I couldn't find yeah. him on the sideline. So he was, hidden. yeah, he wasn't in uniform. I don't mm-hmm. think. And he's not on the participation chart at all. Um, Casey Kelly didn't play. Oregon had three scholarship. Actually, they just had three tight ends. I didn't even address Caden Ludwig, I don't think, which was interesting. So they just had three guys out there. Um, some freshmen didn't play. We could run through that later if we want. Uh, but I think the Hudson thing is another one of those where he's been available all fall in practice when we've watched. We thought he was going to be at least one of the top five guys. At least I felt like he would. Um, didn't play. Don't have an explanation. Dan didn't want to get into that. We'll see what happens this week on in practice, and then the bigger question is: Does he play against Texas Tech? So I don't know. There's a couple of these where you're just kind of left going, don't have an answer. Um, Justin Jacobs also did not play notably. I'm trying yep. to think, of the, was there another? Um, Tatum Tuioti dressed but didn't play, and that was a surprise um, that he was in uniform. Yep, uh, Tavita Palme, who we've been not seeing a practice and we've been talking about our practice reports did not dress did not play uh nishad strother um didn't dress didn't play was out there no sling uh-huh. so maybe that's a step in the right direction yeah um yeah that that's it from that, i think that's it from my end i mean we can go through the there's, there's the a couple five of- freshmen who who didn't yeah. play um because they they played 
24 members of their 2023 recruiting class and 23 true freshmen, not including uh, George Silva. But uh, we can go through that real quick. Yeah, the, here are the, the go ahead. Yeah, I was here. Are the 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 five guys who didn't play from the twenty three class: Colin Gill, Tavita Pomay, like I just mentioned, Bryce Bolton, uh, Jr. or JP. Is it Jr. Moala? Jr. is on the on the staff. He's like a recruiting guy. It's Lipe Moala is the Lipe Moala is on the team. Ah, yeah, and then Tuioti. There we go. Yeah, I think that's, that's about it. it from from an absence perspective. Oh, and yeah. Ashton Cozart. Ashton Cozart. We we need to. Yeah, that him. was another one that we. I don't think we're expecting him to be like a regular contributor, but I, I thought he'd at least play considering the opponent mm-hmm. they were going to play. And he didn't, he didn't sniff the field either, which he uh, didn't dress and Oregon played yeah. 81 players. He did dress. He did. Oh, that's right. You saw him later. We didn't Cozart, see him in warm-ups. Yeah, yeah. We didn't see him in warmups, no. but Jared did see him during the game on the sideline. That's right. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, do we want to go into guys though, that like we thought were in interesting spots? We we talked yeah. a little bit about this defensively, offensively. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I, you want me to go first, or who wants to go first? Go for it. Sure. Uh, Marion Winston got a start at one of the outside linebacker edge positions. Um, I'm I was trying to think all pregame. Like, did anyone really like shout him out? Did he get talked about? Like, as a guy that's performing, um, not. His name hardly came up, if it if at all, during during fall mm-hmm. camp. Maybe that's our fault as as the members of the media for not asking about every single player on the team. But <laughs> it's a lot to ask like, of us to ask of every right. single guy. I mean, we try. But, we we ask like, about a lot of dudes. Zero mention of him, and he comes out and starts. And yep. I don't. You look at the stats, and he didn't have any. I, he okay. didn't have – yeah, I was going to say, I don't see, see him listed. But, like, I also didn't feel like it was, oh, wow, like this is a a throwaway start that he's, you know, he's just getting and then, you know, he'll, he'll, he won't play ever again the rest of the season. It's just because Portland State and injuries are happening or whatnot. But, like, he wasn't, like, an unbelievable player. But at the same time, like, he fit. Maybe he was one of those guys that made the mistake early in the game. We'll have to go back and watch that. Um but just that was one that was just totally out of left field. I don't think anyone ever expected him to be a regular contributor for this game. And he started, which was unique. I think I'm, I'm again, I'll have to rewatch this and or maybe it won't teach me anything anyway, but I, I do think there were, they rotated a ton with certain personnel mm-hmm. groups. And I think it's possible. Like he played a ton, so I don't want to take anything away. I think it's possible. They were in a specific personnel package to start the game, you know, that, that, put him on the field because if you watched it closely they really really yeah, they did rotate like a couple guys off right before the play started they did that and then they just those edge guys rotated situationally it felt like quite a bit like yeah, they had time all the time jordan birch and brandon door the standing as like massive guys on the outside they also had a lot of blake purchase and mateo Younglele on passing downs which was a fun combo um but the, it was weird it was interesting jake shipley and amari and winston starting as your two outside linebackers was not something anybody would have predicted that's for sure um, Jared, why don't you keep it on defense and I'll finish with a couple offensive thoughts. Sure. Um, yeah, Purchase was a guy. Uh, he played a lot. Like, a lot, a lot. And maybe that's because of Mace Funa's injury or whatever the, whatever he's dealing with that he didn't play today. Um, maybe it's not. An, it's probably not an injury. Um, but he played a lot. 
uh, way more than I had anticipated, even though I'm a big Blake Purchase guy. Um, him and Shipley, I think, got the starts because of Mace's non-playing. Um, but he was he didn't record any stats, but he lined up in a bunch of different positions. Uh, he was a lot, a lot a lot of outside linebacker, but they at points sometimes on third down they moved him to like the Mike linebacker spot. Like he and Jeffrey Bossa were right next to each other, and some well, the other linebacker who was on the field would move up to the line of scrimmage. Very strange, very interesting stuff that the defense did with their rotations and just their personnel units. Um, Bryce Betcher, obviously, uh, big stunner. Uh, you mentioned post game that he's really just kind of like the one of the linebackers in twelve base personnel. Um, I get the feeling that if Justin Jacobs were fully healthy, he would be starting the game, but Betcher would definitely get in there. Um, you know, he he had four tackles and a fumble recovery, so yeah, uh, it it's not like he wasn't playing. It's not like he wasn't playing well. It's not like he was just out there for funds because he's the local kid. Um, he actually made an impact in a brand new position. Like he played safety yeah. in the spring. He's Good only point. been playing linebacker for ball camp. Um, Cole Martin, I had down, uh, listed down here. Uh, really couldn't tell where he was playing for most of the game. Uh, mm. looked like star for some, but also dropped into free safety. So I think he's exclusively a safety and coach Martin Demetrius, his father talked about in high school that he moved to safety a lot during his senior season. So I think Oregon is probably keeping him on that track, which, Given his physique and body type, I think that actually might be the right call. He kind of reminds me of what Tysheem Johnson is, who who Tysheem played well today. Um, Dante Manning got the start at corner. Thought that, that was, was a big. That was push. a big surprise for me that he was there. Yeah. yeah, big surprise. I have I have Bridges and Manning uh, written down here just because I anticipated Kyrie Jackson and Trekos Bridges to be the starting corners, like undoubtedly. Um, maybe this was kind of like a personnel set for 12 base because they had Taishim, uh, uh, Dante and Kyrie, uh, and Brian Addison. So maybe they're like more nickel safety bound. I'm not a hundred percent sure what the, what the reasoning is there. Um, Shipley, we went over and then bridges. I just kind of went over as well. Um, I'm trying to think if there's, there's more guys off the top of my head. I didn't, I don't feel like Jamal Hill played a lot which I thought was surprising because yeah. I, I figured I kind of penciled him in as being the starter on this game, especially with Jacobs and uh, his lack of practicing. Um, Nico Reed looked like he only played star. He was beat yeah. on that uh, slant route for a touchdown by Portland State, but you know, came back like a drive or two later and that same play happened and he jumped That's the route and, and had a pass breakup, which looked nice. Um, I think that's it. Um, other than like the the defensive line rotations and positions were really interesting. Like, like Eric, you kind of briefly mentioned how they had Jordan Birch and Brandon Dorless, like both standing um, on the opposite sides as true edge rushers. There was one time where um, they lined up on the same side of the offensive line or the same side of the defensive line. They had Birch on the edge, Dorless at the defensive end spot, and they just destroyed whoever they were going against. So I think, I, you know, I've talked about this on, on, on the podcast. I've talked about it or I've written about it in articles. I truly think that, that Dan and Tosh are going to have the pick of the litter on who they want at any given situation in terms of their personnel at almost every single position and especially the defensive line. And I think that was the case today with how many guys they were rotating in and out at any given time during the first half. Just, hey, this kind of, that kind of looks like they're in the run package today. All right, bring in the run guys. Like, oh, hey. It's third and long. Bring in the really fast guys off the edge, and we'll move Brandon Dorless on the inside. Like, 
they have options, and I think it showed today. And, and um, I know there's no sacks and not a lot of tackles for loss about it, but uh, they got to the quarterback. Uh, they had a couple hurries. Um, they had a couple tackles for loss. But I, I think that in a more pass-friendly offense, I think they're getting to the quarterback a lot more. Because Portland State, I think, kind of gave up at points and was like, we're not going to risk uh, Sasha Ray getting injured here. Because he took a lick from Brandon Doris and from Casey Rogers at one point. And then from then on, they they ran the ball a lot. And there were a lot of three and outs. Yeah. Portland State, 8 for 20 passing, 52 yards. They'll take it. One thing I wish we had in these box scores is snap counts because I find those to be yeah. very interesting. I know uh, Pro Football Focus will update those probably tomorrow and we'll, or we'll at least post what they have and we'll we'll talk about that on uh, on Monday's podcast perhaps. But I'm with you in terms of like it felt like certain guys, not only was it surprising who started on defense, it was also surprising which guys played a ton. Um, mm-hmm. So that'll be something that'll be interesting to kind of look back in on rewatch and see if we can figure out why and then and look at the actual counts. Offensively, just a couple of things I scribbled down. Um, like we mentioned, Chris Hudson didn't didn't get in. I was surprised Jurian Dickey, I think, was wide receiver seven in terms of playing today. Um, yeah. Obviously, the, the three starters we mentioned with, with Troy, Tez, and Gary, and then Treshawn was on the field really early as well. And then Kyler Casper came out, looked like he had a touchdown, celebrated like he had a touchdown. Turns out he didn't have a touchdown, which was too bad. But that he was the fifth receiver on. And then Justice Lowe actually got on the field. Um, I think after Treshawn Holden kind of came up and was being a little ginger at one point, and they put Justice out there. Yep. So Jaron Dickey was actually receiver number seven. Um, and Chris Hudson didn't play in this game. So you kind of go, does that mean Jaron's like receiver eight right now? It's a little surprising, um, at least interesting, because he is the you know headliner of this recruiting class, a former five-star recruit. He also got here in the fall, unlike... Like a lot of the true right. freshmen who played a lot didn't. They were, we're here, here in the spring. spring yeah. um, the running back rotation, we've already talked about the no Whittington thing, but the fact that it was like Bucky and Jordan exclusively in the first half, I guess if Noah's not available, that's not that big of a surprise, but that that was kind of interesting. And then tight end, I mentioned it briefly earlier, Patrick Herbert being out there before Terrence Ferguson. I think one of the first plays of the game, he kind of showed a Herbert little bit looked, more. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, Herbert looked a lot different than he did last year. It, he looked mm-hmm. more like the guy who I saw in high school like half a yeah. decade ago when he was at Sheldon. Yeah. He was just like people who people who watched him in high school will remember Patrick Herbert was a guy. And I think a lot of people thought he'd have a much bigger contribution at Oregon. Injuries have gotten in the way. This looked more like the player I remember seeing in high school. There was a little bit more burst, a little more explosiveness. Um, thought he mm-hmm. had a, a really nice sequence there. And then I guess on the offensive line. Like they did a lot of rotating, but I thought it was kind of interesting that uh, Poncho Ayapani Lalalu was the yep. f- second center to see the game or, or started, started to see the field. Mm-hmm. Didn't know if that would be the case. We'd heard great things about him all fall, but he was out there, I think, even in the first half in the second yeah, quarter. Yeah, he was out there like yeah, the third or fourth quarter. possession of the game. I mean, yeah, they gave him not only up. was he the second center to play, I think he was the first offensive lineman to come off the bench and play. I think he was, yeah, yeah. I- I didn't mark that down, but yeah, and it was and it was cool at times. He and his brother were both out there. Feope was playing left tackle. He was the second left tackle on the field. So there's just a lot of little pieces here. Probably not quite as interesting as, as some of the defensive stuff, but um, certainly some things that we hadn't anticipated would be the case, and that kind of stood out. And we should note, we'll get into some players that stood out. Um, Ty Thompson and Austin Noah had both played, and I thought both looked ex- about as good as you could expect. Mm-hmm. Ty Thompson looked markedly better. It's the best we've seen him, right? 
Yes. Then then and you also have to, it's Portland State. It's a team that's clearly yeah. outmatched. That has to factor into it. But just last year and the year before, it felt like when he got a bad snap, it was a panic, throw the ball just right into immediate coverage. And it's like, oh my God, why are you even throwing there? Where today he had multiple poor snaps sent to him. He adjusted them on the fly and made some good plays. And he had a couple throws that were like, yeah, he went through his progressions, never really panicked and made the plays that were needed. Like he looked like a different player, whether that's only against FCS opponents to be seen, but at least you walk away being encouraged there. Yeah, definitely encouraged. It was good to see. He was what seven of eight today for I think 81 yards and a touchdown. He also mm-hmm. ran it twice and kind of put down the shoulder a few times, which is good to see. He ran it twice for yeah. uh what was that? 25 yards. I was trying to pull this yeah. up. Go ahead, Jared. I would, I wanted to get to Ty running the ball. Like we didn't see Bo attempt a single run. Um, at least I'm looking at the score sheet and he didn't attempt to run, and I remember it. Yeah, he didn't he didn't run at all. And I think that's purely by design because why bother a potential injury with Bo Nix in the game against Portland State, when when Ty t- like tucked it and ran, I think that's what this offense is going to look like as well. Especially with yep. like next week, like don't be surprised if Bo Nix is tucking these RPOs because there was absolutely no reason at all for Oregon to risk Bo Nix's legs in uh, in a random tackle against Portland State. But I thought it was I thought it was encouraging though that that Ty they gave him full control of the offense. There was none of this. Hey, we're gonna run it on first and second down with the backup running back and the backup offensive lineman and all the backups, and you're gonna be forced with a third and eight. And everybody knows that we're throwing the ball, so good luck, Ty. They said, "Hey, here you go. Here's the full keys to the car. Here's the starting offensive line. Here's the starting wide receivers. Here's Jordan James, who's a pretty damn good running back in his own right. Um, go have fun." And he did. And he would have had two touchdown passes if he didn't have like a cut on his hand or whatever. And, and Austin Novosad came in I, or, or maybe they would have ran the ball, but still um, it was good to see him out there. And like, he looked free. He looked like he wasn't overthinking. That's kind of to Matt's point where he just went out there and he threw, he went through his, uh, went through the progressions and read them all and threw the guy who was open. Well, One thing I, that I really liked that we didn't see a lot. We haven't seen a lot the last I think probably since Helfrich is when Oregon got up big and they put their backup quarterback in. Typically we've seen the offensive line maybe stay in, but all the skill guys get pulled out with the quarterback and it's dive, dive. And next thing you know, it's now third and 11 and here, throw a short dump off pass and see if you can convert a first down. That, That didn't, that didn't happen today. Um, you look at the first play when Ty came in and it was a run to Jordan James, but then it was a, the second play was a designed run for Ty like Jared was talking about when he just looked different and looked good. He got 12 yards on that one for a first down and then it went pass, run, pass, pass for a touchdown. And then the second time he came in the game, they ran the ball once with Jordan James. They did the designed run again with Ty Thompson and then it went pass, run, pass, run, pass, run, run, pass. Um, like They legitimately kept the first team out there, everybody except, for, essentially, except for Bo, and then operated the offense as if Bo was in there. And we were able to see what Ty could do with that, and it was good. 
I just wanted to provide, and I don't know if this is necessary or not. I, this just the context of Ty has actually performed well against FCS competition in the past. It's just been against FBS competition. Maybe I shouldn't be going through this, but I was just running through the numbers. He is uh, against FCS teams coming into this game. He was 11 of 16 passing with two touchdowns and like eight yards per, per uh, pass attempt. So that's all pretty solid. In games against FCS competition, let me do quick mental math here for six. He was seven for 19 with zero touchdowns and three picks. So I do want, I, this was really encouraging. This is what you wanted to see. Obviously, this is everything you hoped it would be from him today. Like I would, again, as I said earlier, best he's looked. Let's, let's see what he looks like if he gets in against Hawaii in a couple of weeks or maybe Stanford or somebody right. like that just a couple of weeks down the line just to see what it looks like. But this checks all the, bar, uh, all the boxes you would like to have seen today for sure. All right. Uh, anything else that's hard hitting? I think we've kind of covered everything. In injuries. I mean, didn't see the only one that we know is, is we left off and thinking, saying no one walked off with an injury. Now we know um, with our own eyes that Noah Whittington did, but that's kind of the only one from the guy that participated in the game. Obviously, there's other ones that didn't play, and those are certainly ones we're going to have to figure out down the road, but it looks like maybe just Noah Whittington is the only one that dealt with an injury, which is one player. I think that's a solid outcome. Very Never solid. For injuries, but only one guy getting kind of injured is a positive. Yeah. And, and honestly, across the board, several key guys didn't play, but this team is in better shape than you would maybe expect. I, the only other thing I just wanted to follow up on was I mentioned it earlier. I, I thought Gary Bryant had a really nice game. It was yeah. good to see mm -hmm. that. Seven catches, 100 yards, two touchdowns. We didn't know exactly what the hierarchy would be. We don't know what Chris uh, Hudson's status is and, and why he didn't play. Um, but Gary played played a really good game. And both true freshman running backs, we should mention, also found the end zone, which was, which was fun. Gary caught all targets thrown to him. Seven times mm -hmm. he was targeted, he caught all seven, which is a pretty good – Indication of how the quarterback's playing, but also how he was playing. Quarter, quarterbacks were 33 for 38 for 381 yards and four touchdowns in this game. Uh, mm -hmm. We'll take it. We'll take it. Yes. Um, good day for Camden Lewis. Yeah. 11 kickoffs, eight touchbacks, 41-yard um, field goal. Good special team stuff. We already went through Tez, um, you know, tying Chris Hudson from last year in terms of punt return yards. I think – that's definitely been a missing piece in Oregon's special teams the last couple of years is a guy that they can rely on to be a punt returner. It's kind of been a, a revolving door. Um, Tez fielded five of them. He was the only guy to go back there. So I think that's their number one dude. Um, Ross James, like we talked about, 58-yard punt, only punt of the day for Oregon. So that was good. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. Solid performance. Pretty good. Pretty good performance. All right, that's going to do it for us here on this post-game edition. We'll be back on Monday. Enjoy your Labor Day. We'll have another podcast for you then, uh, breaking down – actually, it's the mailbag. We'll have the mailbag on Monday. And then Tuesday, we'll be back breaking down Dan Lanning's comments, player comments, ahead of Texas Tech week as the Red Raiders are winning 17 to nothing in the first quarter up in Wyoming. Uh until then, though, you've been listening to the Odds and Audible's podcast.
Talk to you later, folks. Peace. Should you ever set foot outside of the hotel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.